0: Although sudden death in the pediatric population is rare, there has been a great deal of recent discussion about a possible increased risk of sudden cardiac death among individuals taking stimulant medication for attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. How can we best evaluate our patient's risk for sudden death before initiating medical treatment for ADHD? And how often should we monitor their cardiovascular status? You are listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to a special segment Focus on heart health. I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Hsu, practicing general pediatrician and author. Our guest is Dr. Patrick Frias, pediatric cardiologist and electrophysiologist at Sibley Heart Center in Atlanta, and associate professor of pediatrics at Emory University School of Medicine. Welcome, Dr. Frias.
1: Well, thank you for having me.
0: Now, we know that ADHD is very common, and it affects about 5 to 8% of children and adolescents. We also know that stimulant medications have been used for many years. So why is there such a concern recently that they may be linked with sudden cardiac death?
1: Well, as you know, within the past few years, some of the concerns that were raised were centered around the FDA warnings. In Health Canada, there were a few deaths out of several million prescriptions for Adderall XR So actually, that one was pulled off the market in Canada for a while, and the FDA came out with a black box warning recommending not against the use per se, but caution in its use in children with heart disease. Now, some of the kids in the autopsies that were performed post-mortem and those the ones that had died in the analysis around here had some heart disease, such as bicuspid aortic valve. I think there was a child with ventricular hypertrophy and someone with a family history of ventricular arrhythmias. So, you know, bicuspid aortic valve I doubt had anything to do with that being with the medication, but some concern was raised, is there a higher risk in those kids? So should we be taking a closer look for any sort of heart disease before treating those children?
0: So how common is a potentially life-threatening cardiac condition just in the general pediatric population?
1: If you look at sudden death in the young, it's estimated, depending on what report you would look at, at anywhere from 1 in 50 to 1 in 200,000. Actual other reports probably per population incidence of varies anywhere from eight to 62 children per million in the adolescents and children and actually the data would suggest that kids on the stimulants if they crunch those numbers maybe works out to more at about two incidents per million on the kids on the stimulant medication so it may be greater in the general population not necessarily on the ones on the medications and it's not a very common thing when you take it in the perspective as a public health risk while it's a terrible tragedy Certainly, when it happens in a community, because often these are the very healthy children, and the ones that right or wrong are sometimes held at higher esteem because of their athletic prowess. Perhaps those are the ones that we focus on. Yet, it's very uncommon when you take it into account with things such as maybe teen suicide or depression, or motor vehicle accidents, or needing to vaccinate children. So there's, you know, when you look at it from an economic standpoint, you have to raise that question as well and wonder where would the money perhaps be better spent.
0: Do children with heart disease in general have a higher risk of ADHD in the first place?
1: They do. There have been some studies performed, and in fact, some out of our institution here, where depending on the lesion, it, it could be in some of these lesions as high as 40 to 50 percent incidence of ADHD in the children who've had surgery for the congenital heart disease.
0: And why might that be?
1: Well, these children have been on bypass for maybe at least one time in their life and that certainly could have some ill effects. Also, these are children that for a time may run lower oxygen saturations and that may have had an effect in the developmental stages as well.
0: Now, what kind of cardiac side effects might be caused by stimulant therapy in these patients?
1: The things that you would worry about would be potential arrhythmias from increased heart rate related to the medication, and also some of the medications can elevate the blood pressure. So if you have a child who already has hypertension, then you certainly want to use with caution or make sure you're following along as you're using the medicines on those kids.
0: Let's take a step back just for a second and talk about the kind of screening that we do before starting a child with ADHD on stimulants. Specifically with history, what kinds of red flags might we be looking for when it comes to a risk for a cardiac death?
1: A couple of things. One, we focus very heavily on not just the patient history but the family history and feel that those two things are, just, are very important in the initial screening of any patient through the primary care provider. Things for the patient history would be palpitations, and syncope, either at rest but also with exertion. Now, a number of the syncope in children really is more vagal-mediated, but exertional syncope probably sends up a red flag, as does syncope out of the blue while you're just sitting there. Chest pain with exertion, certainly something we would want to hear about. And then things in the family history that we'd worry about and always ask are seizures, sudden cardiac death in the young, anywhere under... If you read the reports from the American Heart Association recommendations that came out for this ADD medication recommendation, it was less than 35. Others would say maybe up to less than 50. Then also any history of any of these primary rhythm abnormalities such as Brugada syndrome, Long QT syndrome, any other channelopathy, and then hypertrophic cardiomyopathy is also very concerning, one with its prevalence about 1 in 500 in the general population. So what we try to focus on is making sure these kids are getting a good family history and getting a good patient history and having the family go dig back. And sometimes it actually, you know, single-car accidents is another one that I ask. Somebody driving across, uh, falling in the Chattahoochee River out of nowhere, was it that they were turning the radio, or did somebody have a single-car accident because they had a sudden-death event related to one of these rare channelopathies? And that's always a possibility, so making them think about that as well.
0: And what kinds of things would you look for on physical exam before you start a child on stimulants?
1: You want to certainly know what your baseline heart rate and blood pressure are. Make sure your blood pressure is normal. In our age of increasing obesity, we're surprising seeing more and more children with hypertension, so we want to keep an eye on that. Uh, and then on the cardiac exam, any concerning murmurs, and I always make sure I examine the children in multiple positions to make sure that I don't bring about a murmur due to position changes that might be related to something such as hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. So those would be some I mean, of the bigger concerns I would look for.
0: Now, is body mass index or BMI at all in itself a concern? I mean, you're talking a little bit about obesity, but what about a high BMI that might be related to high cholesterol, for example? How would that fit in with all this?
1: I think it would fit in just part of the routine health maintenance and certainly concern and something we're seeing more of. And I would take that as the opportunity to then screen the lipids and check on that part of the family history for coronary artery disease. With regard to using the stimulant medications, I don't think it would make as big of a difference as long as they weren't hypertensive and didn't have structural heart disease. I must say, even if you do have structural heart disease, we're faced with that with a lot of these the kids that we follow with congenital heart disease, and that doesn't necessarily stop us from using the medications.
0: If you've just joined us, you're listening to a special segment, Focus on Heart Health, from ReachMD Radio on XM 160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Shue. Our guest is Dr. Patrick Frias, pediatric cardiologist and electrophysiologist at Sibley Heart Center in Atlanta. We're discussing cardiovascular monitoring of children and adolescents taking medications for ADHD. Now, what are your thoughts regarding doing an electrocardiogram before starting stimulant medicines on patients?
1: That's an interesting question. That, as you know, is what came out with part of the American Heart Association recommendations in May of 2008, where that it would be reasonable to perform an ECG on all these children. And there are a number of places around the world, uh, Italy and Europe, other parts of Europe, where that's part of routine screening. There really are no data here that would suggest that there's a lower incidence of sudden death, at least not stateside, with such screening programs. And our concern with that, really, is the false positive rate. You know, what happens then is you end up leading a bit of a wild goose chase doing more testing and the expense of it and the ability of really finding people that are going to be able to read all these EKGs. And is it going to make a difference? So if you look at the numbers and know that there's actually probably a higher incidence of sudden death on the kids that don't take the medicine than do take the medicine, are we really doing any grand favors here by introducing another potential? It in and of itself is not an expensive test, but if you did mass screening on everybody, That could be when you then couple it with the fact that you may be doing more testing to rule out heart disease and those minor abnormalities that you may have picked up on ECG.
0: But what if it's a clearly abnormal finding, such as long QT syndrome or Wolf-Parkinson-White, something like that? Would you then recommend not taking stimulant medicine for that
1: patient? Long QT syndrome, I would say that those kids, we really would push hard first for behavioral modification and any other such therapies that might avoid the medication and really have a discussion with the families of the risk of taking the medication versus the risk of not taking the medication. Is this really a child who without the medicine or without intervention will not be able to function in society or is it somebody that just, you know, the grades are a little off but there's a higher risk of sudden death, so I would be uh, leery of giving them in those patients. Someone with Wolf-Parkinson-White syndrome With the current era of technology, we would be leaning more towards a electrophysiology study for risk stratification, regardless of the need for the ADHD medication. So I would feel more comfortable because we'll be doing something more therapeutic-based to take care of those patients in the first place.
0: And what if it's just a slightly abnormal electrocardiogram? Would you just refer to a pediatric cardiologist for follow-up? Let's say a pediatrician does decide to do the ECG, then what?
1: And that's the trick, what is slightly abnormal. Certainly in the HA, in the article published in Circulation, there were lists of here's what you should and shouldn't refer to some of these borderline abnormalities. Is it a child that has evidence of enlarged right heart, which ends up being an atrial septal defect? That could probably be fine being treated with ADHD medications, but that's part of it is the concern. What if you give the medicine to that child? And if something then happens, there's a medical legal side also, then you're probably going to have to dry a bit. So I think... If you get an abnormal ECG, and this is one of those screening, we are down the path of mass screening, you're stuck having to refer that child on to a pediatric cardiologist to refer the child and then get an echocardiogram and make sure that they do or don't have heart disease and then make the decision with the family and the primary care provider of whether or not using the medication would be indicated.
0: So let's say that I have a patient with ADHD that I do decide to start on stimulant medicine. I've done the history, the family history, the physical. How often does this patient need to be monitored while on this medicine?
1: From a cardiac standpoint, you know, the American Academy of Pediatrics came out within a month of the AHA document with a follow-up document of theirs, if you will. And we're holding to the American Academy of Pediatrics document, which would say that you do not need ECG screening unless you identify some concern either on your history and your physical, and then that's a child that we would want to screen and we would want to see. As far as blood pressure monitoring, if you're using one of the stimulants, one of the medications that could increase your blood pressure, you'd certainly want to be checking that within a few months and then probably every six months thereafter to make sure that you're okay. But from the ECG side of things and the true cardiac screening that we would do in our office, I would say only if it raises concerns on history and physical.
0: And we've been talking about stimulant medicines in patients with ADHD, but what about atomoxetine, which is also called Stratera, which is a norepinephrine reuptake inhibitor? We follow the same guidelines from a cardiac standpoint?
1: Especially with the blood pressure, I think you'd want to keep a closer eye on that to make sure you're not having any increase in a child who might already be borderline to start with. So I would follow the same, though, with regards to the question of ECG, I would again say, If you have any concerns on your history, patient history, family history, or physical exam, then that's a child we would want to see to rule out cardiac disease. doesn't necessarily mean it would rule out their use of the medication. And if there are no red flags raised on your initial evaluation, then really from what we're using here in Atlanta in our practice, we would not recommend that we see those children.
0: So let's say the screening has been negative, the monitoring hasn't shown any abnormalities in blood pressure or heart rate. Could sudden death still occur without any warning signs or symptoms?
1: It can. And that's one of the great concerns of my job, I think, every day is people are asking us what business we're in. I think a lot of the time we're in the business of reassurance and we have families that come in, 80% of the children that we see in our office, we never see again. And 30,000 outpatient visits, that's a lot of patients that we're seeing one time and clearing and that heart sinks every time a child dies for a number of reasons in the community. And one of the things that pops in your mind also is, goodness, I hope I didn't clear that child, but I know that we know that if we could do all the testing out there and perhaps still miss a cause of sudden cardiac death, certainly something such as routine ECG is not going to pick up an anomalous left coronary artery off the right coronary artery. That's what Pete Maravich died from. and even an echocardiogram might miss that. So even with these basic screening, there are certainly ones we'll pick up and that is worth it. It's not a guarantee that everything will be picked up.
0: In your practice, do you recommend a a standardized checklist or something like that that physicians can follow to make sure that they're asking the right questions and picking up the children who are at high risk for sudden cardiac death?
1: We do. We've developed a checklist and it actually it goes in line with the AHA recommendations that came out a few years ago on the basic screening and what we're asking for, what we put on the checklist or all of the family and patient history, any of the red flags, and if the patients check any of those and, and or they have any concern on their physical, those are the patients that we should screen. So we've tried to get out in the community and get those sheets to the pediatrician so they can actually use them when the patients come in their office as one of their basic intake forms if they would like so that they would have that when they see them.
0: I'd like to thank our guest, Dr. Patrick Freas. We've been discussing cardiovascular monitoring of children and adolescents taking medications for ADHD. I'm Dr. Jennifer Shu. You've been listening to a special segment, Focus on Heart Health, from ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMD, online, on demand, and on air. Please visit us at ReachMD.com, and thank you for listening.